Okay, well, I want you to find the book of Matthew, chapter number 6, if you would, please. Matthew, chapter number 6. Mount Malachi. Nope, we're right next to it, though. It's right there after it. Chapter. You're getting good, dude. You are getting good. I won't blame you for nothing. I have seven. You can't see. Matthew, chapter number 6. <clears throat> This is lesson three in the series, Bible-Based Weapons Training. Uh, we're glad to have our missionary to the beach back. Glad Lord is back again. Amen. Uh, but lesson number three, Bible-Based Weapons Training. And I'm not going to tell you what this one is. I'm going to let you ponder on this little description I'm going to give you. Okay? Now, you don't get the guess. Let, let me go through a couple descriptions before you guess. When I get done, then I'll ask you if you have a guess what the weapon is, okay? All right. Now imagine that you start a lifetime relationship with somebody. And it's going to be from this day, 27 years old, all the rest of your life. When you live to be 100, you're going to have this relationship for the rest of your life. One of the conditions in this relationship is you must discuss with them the same topic every single day. Now, most of the time, it's going to be the same topic. You may add some things. You may take some things away. But most generally, one of the conditions of this relationship is that every day for the rest of your life, you're going to talk to them about the same thing. How long do you think it would be until you were bored out of your skull? Now imagine. So we're going to talk about this subject today, Nathan. And then tomorrow I'm going to call you up and be like, Nathan. And I'm going to say, bring up the same thing. And you're going to be like, dude, we just talked about that last night. You're really getting old, Arliss. But then the day after tomorrow I call and say, Nathan. And I start talking about the same thing. And now you're going to be like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm getting really worried. How long is it going to be before you're bored out of your skull? How long do you think it would be that you have had this conversation about this topic so many times that you're not even listening? You're the one doing the talking, but you're not even listening. How long do you think it would be until your mouth is moving, but your mind is somewhere else thinking about what is going to happen tomorrow or the next day? How long do you think it would be until you're only having this conversation because you will feel guilty if you don't? How long do you think it would be until you have the entire conversation? You're through having that conversation. You did all the talking and you realize once you're done, you aren't even there. How long do you think it would be until you start to believe that your partner doesn't like having this conversation with you anymore, that they're not listening to you anymore, and now they don't want to hear it anymore? How long do you think it would be until you feel like there is no point in having this conversation. Can you guess what the weapon is we're talking about tonight? Prayer! Ha <laughs> That's some of the most honest descriptions of a prayer life you will ever hear in your life. And you know what? I didn't have to Google these, Daisy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I sat down this morning at my table in God's Mountain in Blountville and pulled the curtain back had my cup of coffee and just started to write, and all that came out like, boom, there it was. And that was just me. 
And when I read all of them, I was like, I know everybody else is going to relate to every one of these topics. Now, think about this. That's really what prayer is. Yeah. Part of the relationship. And now, we're the benefit of having some, some rock-steady married couples in our church family. You, young man, don't know right now how blessed you are by the married couples you have for an example, but you really are, dude. Because all the married couples in our church family are strong. They're strong in their love for God. They're strong in their love for each other. They're committed to God and each other. And they love the church family. So you have examples on what marriages are supposed to be like, how women are supposed to feel about their men, how the men are supposed to treat their women, right? So you're blessed by that, okay? Now, having the blessing of having strong married couples in, in our church family and some long-term ones, right? I guess me and Kitty would be the seniors like with everything else. And, but in that relationship, all of us know by now that communication, if you don't have it, there's going to be trouble. Oh, yeah. If you don't have good communication skills with each other, that marriage wouldn't be as strong as it is right now. This marriage wouldn't be this strong and lasted this long if there wasn't some kind right. of communication skills between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Same way with Lori and Travis and me and Kitty. Now, having said that, there are times one of the smartest things about communicating when you're married, well, I didn't mean to get into all this, but it's pretty good. One of the smartest things about uh, communicating when you're married is learning when the communicating ain't communicating. When, when you're trying to express something only you're not expressing it in a way that the other one is understanding or agreeing with and sometimes you have to back off and figure out another way to get around that mountain right so imagine this relationship demands you to talk about the same thing every day for the rest of your life because stop and think about this now in your day-to-day -day conversation with God in prayer you pray for your family every single day and I know I'm not the only one that's gone through that family list and got to the end. It was like, good grief. Well, that's the last one. Oh, I'm done. I'm done? And I realized my brain had checked out when the prayer started. Now, this is just being honest with you. There is no way in the world you can have the same conversation with anybody, let alone somebody that doesn't always talk back, right? And not go through these phases where you feel like your brain's not checking in, you feel like you're just repeating the same old things and it doesn't even matter, where you even get to the place where if you're not careful, you'll feel like, God don't even want to hear it anymore because if you're tired of it, how must God feel about it, right? And yet, while it feels this way, we're told, and, and I'm just going to blurt these out. This ain't where we're going. We're going to be in Matthew. And yet, when this thing is so repetitious and so boring that you could stab yourself in the eye with a toothpick. I mean, I feel that way sometimes. I really do, man. Been doing this for 30 years now, okay? And, and it ain't that I don't love God. I do. And it ain't that I'm not amazed that God will listen to me. Just sometimes I don't like to listen to me. And there's only so many new ways you can create to say the same thing all the time, right? And yet, Ephesians in 6 and 18 says that we're to be praying always. Luke 21 36 says that we are to pray always. Romans 12 and 12 says we are to be continuing instant in prayer. Colossians 4 and 2 says we are to continue in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 is a nail in my coffin. It says pray without ceasing 
So here we have this thing that we need to do to have a good relationship with God. You can't have a good relationship with anybody you don't talk to. Now, there's some people, the only reason you have a good relationship is because you don't talk to them no more. <laughs> but those are people you don't fool with either, okay? We're talking about healthy relationships, right? Right. So there's no way to have a healthy relationship with anybody if you don't communicate with them, right? Yeah. So here God is saying that you got to do this all the time without stopping, continually, always, continue, always, without ceasing. And it gets mundane. It gets to the point where I feel Catholic. I'm not embarrassed to say that. It, it gets to the place where I feel like I'm just going through this list. And if I'm just going through this list and my heart ain't in it. See, you know, that's one thing. I, I just have to get this out before we get to the scripture. <laughs> that's one thing that we can get confused about. Because we can feel like that our heart ain't in it because our mind is bored. We can feel like our heart ain't in it because we, we feel like God's got to be tired of hearing this. I'm tired of doing this the same way. Man, you know, I've already reversed the order. I've already started in the middle, went that way, and come back in the middle, went that way. There's only so many different ways you can do it. I've already walked around the yard doing it. I've already walked through the house doing it. I've already drove in the car doing it. There's only so many new ways you can do it, right? So we can feel like, if we're not careful, that because we're feeling that way emotionally and carnally, that our heart ain't in it. But I want you to consider something. If your heart wasn't in it, you'd have quit already. Yeah, that's right. Just because your heart ain't feeling it, oh, this is good, and I didn't hear this on YouTube either. I made this up myself. Just because you ain't feeling it, just because your heart ain't feeling it, don't mean your heart ain't in it. Come on, huh? If you can do something every day for the rest of your life that's boring you to tears and, may, and you're even convinced sometimes God ain't listening. And I know we all go through that where we wonder, is he listening to me anymore? But if you keep doing that anyway, your heart has got to be in it. Right? Yeah, has Come to on. be. All right? So this thing gets over and over again. It gets mundane. We can get discouraged. And sometimes we can get to a place where it's like, well, you know what? If that's all there is to it, then I'm feeling that way. Well, I'm just going to go through that little out the door. Sometimes it's that way. And sometimes we're even tempted not to do it at all. Because if it don't count and if my heart ain't in it, then why even doing it? I don't want to be a hypocrite. Right? So here's some really good Bible for us tonight. This prayer is one of the most powerful weapons that we have at our disposal. And that's one of the reasons why there are so many reasons to quit. That's one of the reasons why it's so hard for us as fleshly creatures to do it consistently. Think about that. We know the spirit and the flesh are opposite, right? We know they bump heads all the time, right? So then that just makes sense that one of the things that's hardest for us to do consistently in our flesh would also be one of the most powerful weapons we have at our disposal, right? Makes perfect sense, okay? So Matthew chapter 6, verse number 7. Now, here we are. <clears throat> now, remember, we have been told... I don't want to cover the first couple verses because that's a whole other attitude type thing. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. I want to start with verse number seven. Now, remember, we've been told already to pray always. Been told that twice. We've been told to continue twice. We've been told to, been told to pray without ceasing, right? And our topic, most generally, the meat of it is always going to be the same in this conversation. So we're told to do it over and over and over again, right? But here in verse number seven, look what Jesus says. Jesus says, when you pray, use not vain re repetition. <laughs> Hold the ball, man. I'm still repeating some things I started praying in November 1992. 
Me and Kitty both are. We're repeating some prayers for some of the same people from 30 years ago. Well, here I got Jesus telling me after the Bible's already told me to pray always, pray without ceasing, be, be instant in prayer. And now Jesus say, when you pray, use not vain repetitions. But see now, here's, here's the important part of this verse. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Right. One of the hardest things about us when we have a, a walk with God and we've been in it a little while is after months and months of praying for the same thing, we're tired of hearing it, right? We're tired of saying it. So after doing it for so long, we wonder, am I just, is this just vain repetition? Am I just repeating myself? Is there anything in this? Does he even count with God anymore? And we, I've heard people over the years have used this verse to say, we even God, even Jesus said, don't use vain repetitions. Well, what Jesus is talking about is vain repetitions like the heathen do. Here's some heathen. They're religious, but they're heathen, like Catholics. They're told, like they come in, they confess a sin in the booth, and the, the, the priest might tell them, go say 10 Hail Marys, do your rosary 15 times. They give them a certain number of the things to do, and they tell them that when you do that certain number of things, God will hear you and God will forgive you. And that's exactly what the scripture says. When you pray, use not vain repetitions like the heathen do. And it tells why they use those repetitions and why they're vain. Because they think they will be heard for their much speaking. So see, they don't think that they're going to be heard because God loves them, right? They think they're going to be heard because I'm going to say this Hail Mary 19 times. They think I'm going to be heard because I'm going to say my kid's name in front of God at this altar. And I'm talking about us today. I'm going to say uh, my daughter's name or my son's name 30 times up there today. I'm going to get my point across. When we miss the whole principle and the power in prayer is the reason we can talk to God about anything is because he loves us. We don't have to come to him again and 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 thinking, man, if I don't pray about that enough, Hmm, oh, this is going to really come against some apostolic sacred cows right here, boy. <laughs> okay, it is that there's no such thing. If we have prayed one time and meant it, now I'm not saying stop. Right. But I'm saying that scripturally, if we prayed over something one time and meant it with all our heart and all our spirit, then that one time is enough in regards that God has heard us. Now, here, we got Bible. We'll stay in the book and you'll see. Watch it. The heathen think that they'll be heard for their much speaking. I'm reminded right away of Elijah and the 400 prophets on top of that mountain. Remember? Elijah told uh, uh, King Ahab when he, when he told him that the drought's going to be over with. And he told him, he said, go get the 400 prophets uh, of Baal, Jezebel's prophets, bring them to the top of the mountain. And, he, and he, they made an, uh, an altar and they, they put a sacrifice on there. They poured water everywhere. And then he told them, you guys go first. There's 400 of you. It shouldn't take it too long. And it says them false prophets, those heathen, they had a religion, but they were heathen because they didn't have a God religion, right? They weren't in the book. They spent all day calling out to their God, all day, for one prayer request. Send fire from heaven, Baal, and accept this offering. Burn it up so all these people will know your God. And they prayed that one thing, 400 men, all day long, and nothing happened. And Elijah got up. Lord, show these people your God, will you? Mm -hmm. Just let them know who the true God is. Right? So when I tell you that how many prayers do you have to pray to get your prayer through? One. One. 
Now, I'm not telling you to pray one and done and just walk away because there's some people that would act like if you pray more than that, you ain't got no faith. Hey, dummy, if I had no faith, I wouldn't have prayed once. Mm. Right. Don't let people brainwash you like that. Now, you want to talk to God every day, five times a day about a need. That's fine. You know why that's fine? <laughs> Me and Kitty were talking about this today. There's two sides to prayer, man, and I love both sides. One side, when we talk to God and pray and we bring a need to God, is God is moved. God might change the situation, right? Like, I'm coming to God about needing my healing. I'm not scared about it, and that's why I don't mind talking about it. I'm not going to obsess about it. I ain't going to be no girl over it. No offense, ladies. Uh, I'm not going to be a, gir a, a girly man. Let's put it like that. How's that? We got tough girls in this church. Eh? <laughs> I ain't going to be no girly man about it, right? I'll talk to God about it because I want God to change my situation, okay? But now, okay, if it only takes one time to get your prayer due, I prayed that prayer when I got the numbers a month ago or whenever it was, right? But you know what happens if I come to God about it again? Or sometimes if I stay on it for a little while? You know what changes? Me. How many, well, all of you. Every one of you can remember a time where you had a pressing need in your life and you prayed over it and you stayed on that subject for a little while during your prayer time that day. And when your prayer was over, that situation was exactly the same as the situation was when you started praying. But the thing that had changed was you. Uh -huh. I mean, when that prayer was done, guess what? That worry I had when I started praying, I ain't got it no more. Situation looks exactly the same, but I ain't worried about it no more. I might have been a little concerned about something, or maybe even been afraid that something wasn't going to go well. Well, I started praying about it, and I got stuck on that topic for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. But when I got done, huh, it still looked the same, but I'm different. So see, Amen. prayer moves God and it changes us. So when you get on a subject, you got something really bothering you, pray about it, of course, right? But in your prayer that day, stay on a little while if you want to. And mark my words, when you get done, you will feel better. One reason you'll feel better is because you know, man, I put that thing square in God's lap today. <laughs> I mean, I woke up carrying this all by myself this morning, but when I walk away from this prayer and say, in Jesus' name, amen, it's God's now, right? So this vain repetition Jesus is talking about is the repetition people use in prayer because they think that's what's going to cause God to hear them, right? No. What's going to cause God to hear us is He loves us, man. The Bible says He's a good father. No one good daddy is going to have one of their children have a need in their life, and they're going to say, Daddy, and tell them what the, tell them what the problem is, and what? He's just going to sit back and say, Well, you know what? If they tell me five times in a row, I'll do something. <laughs> it don't make sense. Not a good father. Man, a good father's got a child that has a need in their life. When they hear what that need is, and they know that there's nothing that child can do, even adult children. We know as parents of adult children now, if they've done everything they can do, man, guess what? If I can figure out how to get that thing done, I'm going to get that thing done because I love my children. Right. It's the same way with God. That's why Jesus says in verse number 8, He said, don't be like them. Why? Because your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask Him. Before you even ask, how's that possible? Well, I reckon he must be watching you. <laughs> huh? The scripture says that 
all the sand on the beach and the stars in the sky don't add up to the number of times that God thinks about us in just one day. One day as individuals. So before this day's over, God would have thought about Jimmy Wells. I don't know what the sky looked like in Greenville or at the beach on Sunday, but last night me and Kitty was out in the driveway and that sky was clear. Mm -hmm. Man, there was like stars everywhere, man. And we were standing there amazed at some of those stars that the closest stars to us, the light from that star takes four years to get here. So we saw light last night from stars that had to start her so far away. The light started up four years ago to get to my eyeballs last night. And our God is the one that did all that. And that God that did all that thinks about me more times in one day than there were stars in eastern Tennessee sky last night. That's why the Bible says that this Father of ours, He knows what we have need of before we even ask Him. Now that don't mean we don't ask Him. We still ask. A parent and a child, you know, just because uh, Nathan's mom and Nathan's dad has got something and it's theirs and Nathan needs it, Nathan don't just go in the closet and pull out Jimmy's whatever it is Nathan wants. That would be disrespectful. He might do such a thing, but he should not. It is respectful for the child to say, hey, dad, can I borrow your... Hey, Dad, can I have your? Hey, Mom, can I have your? So this God knowing what we have need of before we even ask Him, that doesn't mean we don't ask Him. We still ask Him. He's still God, right? So, be not like unto them. Your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask Him. And then He tells us, after this manner, pray. So in other words, because your Father knows what you have need of before you ask Him, pray like this. Now, there is entire religions that have taken this prayer. You know, I, I, I has, well, it ain't my fault. We're on the Catholics again. This prayer right here is one of their prayers that, that they're taught to pray. And it's like you pray this prayer word for word and you're good with God, okay? That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not telling everybody this is exactly how you should pray and don't pray any other way. But there are religions where this is the prayer they teach the people in their religion to pray and they pray it over and over and over and over again. But that's not the point of this prayer. Remember what Jesus has just taught them. He's just told them you don't have to say something over and over and over and over again because your Father knows what you have need of. You have to ask Him one time. So watch what he does in his prayer. He says, pray after this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, you got your worship right out of the way, didn't you? Look, your worship's done. Our Father, which art in heaven. You're acknowledging he's God in heaven and his name is holy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that means? That means, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Let me know what your will is and I'm going to do it. Because how's God's will in heaven going to get done on earth? It's going to be done through us. So you see what he did right there? Jesus is saying, hey, let God know. Let your will on heaven be done on earth. And I'm the one you're going to do that through. Right? Short and sweet. Then look, give us this day our daily bread. Boy, that covered everything. Lord, I need gas in my car. Lord, I need this thing to run. Lord, I need that to happen. Lord, I need this to happen. 18 things I need. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. This day. 
Look what he did. He didn't say, Lord, would you give me enough bread today because I don't know when the next check coming or when the next money's coming in and we got to eat the rest of the week. So, Lord, no, Lord, will you give me just enough food to meet me through this day? See, that's acknowledging. First of all, we don't know we're going to be here tomorrow anyway. So he just put all his needs in one simple prayer. Lord, on this day that I'm getting ready to walk through, would you put all the things I need in this day for me? And he left tomorrow for the one that controls tomorrow, didn't he? And then, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Wow, that's a mouthful. In other words, Lord, treat me the way I treat other people. Oh, oh. that'll make you treat other people good, won't it? See that? Short and sweet. He wasn't there for 15 minutes over and over again. Short and sweet. And deliver us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, let me act right. Let me behave right. We can spend 10 minutes. Lord, let my thoughts be right. Lord, let my mind be right. Lord, let me not say nothing bad. Lord, blah, 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 blah. And here Jesus says, hey, just tell them. Deliver us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, help me behave today. <laughs> you see how short and sweet that is? So what he's saying is, is your father knows you have all these needs. So you don't have to say it 50 times in your prayer because you're not sure God hears you. Jesus wants us to know that he's listening to us. He says, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Luke chapter 18. Getting good there, Spud. Luke 18. 18, yes, sir. And believe it or not, we're going to start verse number one. Huh. So we got Bible telling us pray all the time, pray without stopping, be instant with your prayer. And then we got Jesus telling us, but don't get confused. Don't use vain repetitions. You don't have to worry that you ain't prayed about it enough. Your Father hears you. Did you mean it when you prayed it? And here he is again, Jesus. He spake a parable unto them to this end. In other words, this is the point of the parable. It's one of the few times in the Bible that they tell us the point of the parable before they tell us the parable. Usually, the disciples have to come to Jesus later and get him to explain it. This one, they're cutting right to the chase and saying, hey, here's the point of the parable. That men ought always to pray and not faint. Don't quit. So the whole point of these parables Jesus is going to teach is that we should always pray. Don't stop praying. Even though it's day after day after day after day after day. Don't stop. Even when we don't feel like that sometimes we're convinced it don't mean nothing. Don't stop because it does mean something. Watch. There wasn't a city of judge and he didn't fear God. And he didn't care about any men. And there was a widow in that city and she came unto the judge and she said, Avenge me of mine adversary." Now, this doesn't mean she wanted a judge to, to, to kill somebody that done it wrong. She just means, would you please make this right? I need justice in whatever her situation was. And he wouldn't do it. And it was a while. But afterward, he said, though I'm not afraid of God, and I'm not intimidated by any man or woman, yet, because this widow troubles me, that's King James for aggravating me half to death, mm -hmm. this tells us she didn't stop coming. Mm -hmm. Now, when she came the first time, he didn't just not answer. He said, no. When she came the second time, he didn't just not answer. He said, no. And this widow woman kept coming every day. What in the world would make you keep coming every day? Well, what do you have to lose? If the line to the judge is still open and I can get in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's the only one that can help me. 
That's pretty good preaching right there. I'm going to get in that line and see if the judge will help me today. <laughs> he said, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Because if I don't, her continually coming is going to wear me out. She's going to wear me out because she ain't going to stop. And look what Jesus said. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect? Now elect is God's chosen. God's people, that's us. Shall not God avenge his own people which cry day and night unto him? Though he bear long with them? In other words, if that unjust judge would do that for that widow just because he was tired of getting aggravated by her, doesn't the father that loves us, won't he answer his children even though he forbears? In other words, it's a long time and ain't nothing happened. We ain't got no answer. There ain't been no movement. Nothing has changed that we can tell by looking at. But Jesus, see, this is genius. I guess it is. It's Jesus, right? <laughs> but what, he, what he's illustrating to us is he's letting these people know and us that there's going to be times where we pray over the same thing day after day after day after day after day and ain't nothing shaking. Ain't nothing changing. Knees sometimes ain't changing. <laughs> so he's letting us know that sometimes it will be that way. That's why he's saying, won't the Father answer sooner or later even though he forbears a long time? Jesus is flat warning everybody. There's sometimes I ain't going to answer you right away. But he's also telling them, but that don't mean I won't. <laughs> That's a good Savior. That's a good God. Shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night? So you know what? You got something really aggravating you. And now you know you don't have to say the same thing 15 times in a prayer, right? And sometimes we may not pray at the end of the day. I got to say this because I always say this when I talk about prayer. It wouldn't be a prayer lesson if I didn't say it. The difference between people who pray at the beginning of the day and the people who pray at the end of the day, the people that pray at the beginning of the day spend a lot less time apologizing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if we don't pray when we start our day and we go through our day, by the time that day is over, we're going to spend a lot more time in our prayer for that day at the end of the day, repenting over things we didn't get right. It's just true. If we pray at the start of the day, even if, even if we can get an hour and a half at night and it can only get 15 minutes at the start, take that 15 minutes. Take that time to say, Lord, give me this day my daily bread, right? Forgive me the way I forgive other people because you're going to start your day and as soon as that person at work gets smart or comes off sideways, you're like, I'm going to forgive them because I don't want to need some before this day is over. See, and you start and you ask God at the beginning of the day, Lord, give me direction for this day. Keep me safe for this day. Walk with my family through their day because I don't know what they're going to be going through. And you start your day that way with it, right? Mm -hmm. And that way at the end of the day, you might not have all that time at the end of the day. And sometimes we might not pray at night because we ain't got much time. Well, now that I know I don't have to spend 20 minutes on each topic, before I go to bed, if I had something really pressing going on with the Wells family that me and Kitty have been praying over, and we prayed over at the start of the day, right, at that meat prayer time where we had time, well, at night it's bedtime, and I got the chickens in, and I'm looking for the bed. It's about dark time for the old man here, in case he's wondering. And I'm getting ready for the bed. Now I've already cried out to God in the day, 
And what did they say? They cry out to God day and night. So at night time, knowing I don't have to say it 15 times, before I go to bed, I can get out of my way and get my toothbrush and put the toothpaste on. And I say, Lord, please, don't forget that need the wealth family. And it counts. Sometimes I'm guilty of making prayer this great big official holy thing. Now it is official and it is holy, but it's not this great big ceremonial thing. It is a relational conversation. So it's okay sometimes if I'm on my way to bed that I just talk to God like I'm talking to all you guys right now. Lord, thank you for this day. I've biffed over there, but I'll try harder tomorrow. Lord, visit the Russells. Visit the... I'm done. And guess what? It still gets through. But see, we have to remember that. It's important to remember that. Because if we don't, we can get to the place where we're like, well, man, I only got 10 minutes and I'm so tired. I'm not going to be able to get all the way through the prayer. So, you know, if I can't do it right, I'm not going to do it. Oh, the only way we don't get it right is if we pray vain repetitions like the heathen do, right? But if we mean it, and we're just talking to our Father, who Jesus just said, won't He hear us? Yeah. Won't He answer us? Yes, He will. So that's the right way. So don't let it become this great big old thing. Because I know how it is, man. If something happens in a day and you're up in the car and you ain't got the crud out of your eye and there's been an emergency and you're trying to help somebody and you're praying on the way there and you just get emergency prayer in. You ain't got your daily prayer thing in, right? And then the day gets away from you and then it's nighttime and something happens and you pass out in the bed and you start the next day and there's, you, sometimes you can feel like you've got this great big old thing hanging over you like God is so disappointed in you that, man, i got to make up for yesterday before I can come talking to God about today he was in all points tempted like us he got so wore out praying one time that he fell face first in the garden of Gethsemane it was so hard for him to pray one time that he sweated and I can't remember what the name of the physical affliction is, but you can get so stressed in your body that your sweat turns yeah. to blood. Yeah. And he was so discouraged and felt so intimidated by what was in front of him that he begged the Father not to have to do it. And he tried three times to get out of it. <clears throat> so whenever you got something coming and you're trying to get out of it, don't feel like you're talking to God and don't know what it feels like to want to get out of something. And don't feel like you're disappointing him. They're like he's going to look at you the rest of your life and they just be disappointed all the time because you tried to get out of something. No, you know what? When you realize that you're not going to get out of it, <laughs> you say, okay, God. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to really use some imagination there. I don't know how that feels at all. <laughs> and then you say, Lord, not my will, but yours. But God, I'm really going to need your help to do this thing because I know I can't do it on my own. And then you get out there and do it. You know how proud he's going to be of you for that? Ain't it mind-boggling to think that God can be proud of you? How can a being that just says, Boop, let there be lights. God will be proud of this little old dirt speck on planet Earth. But he can. He's a good father. 
So don't, don't let it become this, this weight of condemnation. Try to keep it in perspective that this is a privilege to talk to a God that is all ears to you. That he's not standing there today saying, you hardly talked to me at all yesterday. Don't even try to talk to me today. That's not who he is. He's just waiting. The first time you open your mouth and start talking, he's right there. It's not like people. It's God Almighty. God is love. Doesn't just have it. Doesn't give it. It is love. So you know who you're talking to when you pray? Talking to love. Love ain't going to ignore you. Love ain't going to beat you up for failing. Love is going to say, I've been waiting all day for you. <laughs> That's what love does. Hmm. Shall not God avenge his own people which cry day and night? Though he bear long, and I tell you, he will avenge him speedily. You see, this is fascinating. This is some other kind of Bible study some other day. God speedily is a whole different thing than ours. God suddenly, ain't no definition of suddenly I got in my vocabulary at all. Been 400 years, God ain't talked to nobody. And the Bible says, and suddenly there were angels in the sky. What do you mean suddenly? We wait 400 years. They've been waiting for a Messiah since they was in Egypt. Slaves. And God talking about suddenly. What that means is, is instantaneously and dramatically. That means when God steps into a situation, the suddenly means it goes from being one thing to being a whole other thing. And where you've been waiting all this time and nothing changed in just a blink of an eye. Not only does it, you don't just change gradual. God suddenly means it is transformed instantaneously right in front of your eyes. That's God's suddenly. And that's God's speedily. So what that means is that problem you're praying over, that situation with your children or that situation in your family, whatever it might be, that it's, it's this chain of events thing and there's 19 different moving parts and all this, there might very well be. And every one of them might be hardcore things that are difficult to do. But when God decides that he's going to suddenly do it and when God decides he's going to speedily do it, that's going to mean that though there ain't been no movement the whole however long you've been praying over it, what it means is, is when the answer does come, it ain't going to be no long drawn out process. It's going to go boom, and there it is. Did I really just say that? I did, didn't I? Boom, there it is. Mm, my bad. <laughs> Where did that come from out of the hard drive somewhere? And he said, I will tell you who will avenge him speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? See, now this is faith that's exhibited by conversation with him. So what Jesus is really asking her, Stacey, he's saying, when I come back, is anybody still going to be talking to me? <laughs> is he going to be quiet when I come back? Well, it won't be when I show up, but you know what I mean. <laughs> when I come back, is there still going to be faith? You see, because without prayer, there, there ain't no faith. There can be religion. Oh, oh, that's heavy. I wish that hadn't hit me. There can be religion. There can be Christianity. There can be churches. There can be congregations. But if there ain't no prayer nowhere, there ain't no faith nowhere. And it is impossible to please God without faith because first you have to believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them. 
that diligently seek him. Hmm. Last section. He spake the parable unto certain. He's got another parable, this parable. Unto certain people that trusted in themselves, they were righteous and despised others. All right, now here's something. Sometimes we're tempted not to pray if we know that we've been something. Well, what right do I got talking to God about the, all these other things in my life if I mess that area up there and I know I ain't got that right? So if I ain't got that right, I, I can't be talking to him about all this. You see how the devil gets you to stop talking to God if you listen to him? Because that's not true. Man, if we waited until we had every area right and was doing all the things the way God wanted us to do, we'd probably very rarely pray. I mean, I can't speak for none of you guys, but it is a blue moon when I got it all going on. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So if I only talk to God when I got it all going right, I'm doing everything perfect, there wouldn't be much conversation going on. And that's the point that he's making here about these people. These people trusted in themselves that they were righteous. They were the kind of people who said, I can talk to God because I'm righteous. I can talk to God because I'm following all the rules. I'm I can talk to God because I follow all the standards of the preacher. I can talk to God because I got my religion down pat. And these kind of people are usually the kind of people he finishes by describing and says despises others. What does that mean? Well, that's the kind of church that teaches that because we're separate from the world means we don't have no friends that ain't serving God. We don't, we don't go to family members' activities that don't serve God. Now, you shouldn't hang out at Keggers. You know, I mean, good idea. Don't hang out there. If your family can't respect your walk with God and they got ACDC Highway to Hell blaring and they're drinking and, you know, taking shots and playing quarters, my suggestion would be don't go. If they don't respect your walk with God at all, then just don't go. But it doesn't mean that we're supposed to not have friends or hang out with family that don't serve God. If they can respect my walk with God and be clean for them to make an effort to be clean out of honor for my walk with God, then I can respect them. And this is the kind of people that teach if they don't serve God, don't want to do God, you don't go to those family reunions no more. You don't hang out with those people anymore. And we used to be a part of a group that that's what they taught. But the Holy Ghost is supposed to insulate us, not isolate us. Right. You hear me? See, the insulator means it wraps the comforter, wraps itself around us and protects us. That means if we do hang out with those kind of people and something does tend to go sideways, it ain't going to kill me. I can remove myself. It ain't going to make me backslide. I can say, hey, man, you know what? I really want to spend time with you guys, but can you lay off the language a little bit? I mean, I ain't trying to be your mother or nothing, but, man, it just, it just grates on me all, dude. I mean, honestly, I won't, I won't shove no Bible study down your neck. How about you not talk that way? Can we do that? If we can do that, we're cool. I mean, I'll go fishing with you. We'll stay out there all night. I don't care. But if you can't, then I got to go. No disrespect. But these people here are the kind that because they think they're righteous and they can talk to God because they're following their religion rules, they despise people that don't. That means they don't have nothing to do with them. That means they look down their nose at them. That means they call them unclean. They're dirty. They don't hang out with nobody that don't go to their church. Holier than thou. That's exactly right. And not holy at all. <laughs> so he tells this story about those kind of people. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one's a Pharisee and the other's a publican. He's a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed. He didn't wrong stand and praying. It's all right. Stood and prayed thus with himself. Oh, we got a problem right off the bat. This dude's praying with himself. 
I would try and pray and invite God into the prayer. I mean, he's praying with himself. What that means is, before he even opens his mouth, he's going through the checklist. Okay, I got my long sleeves on, clean shaven, hairline's up here, got the long sleeve shirt, tie's good, jacket, pant leg, I'm good. He goes through this checklist. He's praying with himself. See? He's going through all these religious checklists he's got. Before he talks to God, he thinks he has to. So he, he prays with himself. And he says, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are. See? Mm. I thank you I'm sanctified, Lord. I'm set aside, God. I'm Jesus named baptized and I'm Holy Ghost filled. I ain't like all these heathen. Look, the scripture says we're not wise to compare ourselves with each other. We definitely shouldn't compare ourselves to people that don't have the miracle of knowing God in their life. Man, if the only way I can feel good about my walk with God is to compare myself to somebody that hasn't met Him yet, I don't even have a walk with God. Right. We're supposed to compare ourselves with this book. And you know what's good about that? We compare ourselves with this book, we won't ever run into a problem of being proud all the time, right? We just won't because it's a mirror. It'll show me for who I really am. But when I compare myself to somebody who never met God and he's still on the drugs and the alcohol like I was and he's still stealing child support like I did and all the rotten, terrible things that I used to do and I compare myself to him, I feel pretty good about myself. And that's exactly how this guy did. He went through his religious checklist first before he talked to God. You know what that means? That means he didn't have a relationship with God. He had a religion about God but no relationship with God. Because Jesus just told us, if you've got a relationship with the Father, you can talk to Him. He already knows what you need and you don't have to spend 10 minutes on it. You can bring it to Him. This guy went through his religious checklist first and then just to make sure he knew he was good, he looked at Dirtbag over here and said, yeah, Dirtbag over here, so I'm good. Thank God I ain't like them anymore. No. <laughs> I thank you that I'm not as other men are. And then he makes a list. When you got to tell God all the things you don't do, that means you ain't got much things you are doing. Lord, I don't. I'm not like these men. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not even like this dude over here calling himself praying. I've heard with my own ears. I can't believe they even came to church. I've heard that. I can't believe they even go to church when they got this going on out there and they go to church. Man, you shouldn't go to church if you got... Hold the boat. Going to church is exactly what you should do when you got a mess at home. Mm -hmm. Going to church is exactly what you should do when you got a problem bigger than you are. That's the hospital. And if you're sick, bring that sickness into God's hospital. And if you're in the right place, the people there will recognize this ain't no antique store, man. We ain't sitting around bragging on. We ain't like we was 30 years ago. That's all we got to brag on. We're here so people can come in today and be changed just like we were all those years ago. And this guy had no concept of that. Thank God I ain't like all these other people. And then he, he, now we're on the what I do list. He's going back to his religious list. I fast twice in the week. And God, I tithe everything I possess. You what, God for God, dude? See, this is a religious checklist. And this is what I'm telling you. Now, now, now let this sink in. This ought to help you. If going through a religious checklist is bad, 
and that's not what God wants, then that means when I don't have everything right in my religion, even if my religion is exactly what the Bible defines it should be, right? Even if I don't have it right, have all of it going on good on that day, it's okay, I can still talk to God. Because even when I got it all going right, I'm not supposed to stand in front of God and go through that checklist first. That's why Jesus is pointing this guy out. That's why he's telling this parable. He's saying, you can have all those things on your checklist, and that don't mean that you're right with God. Well, if that don't mean I'm right with God, then that means on the days when my personal checklist ain't looking as good as what I would like it to, then that must mean I'm not all wrong with God. Mm. Does that make sense? You see? So the enemy would have us to think that any part of this we got and it's not right right now, then our talking to God, well, probably count. No, it does. He listens. And truth be told, you answer this question for yourself. When do you listen to your kids the most? Man, I know how mamas are. There are going to be 12 kids out in the backyard playing, Jimmy. Sounds like World War III out there. But you let one shriek out of all 30 of them kids getting just the right pitch, there'll be a mama in the front yard come flying through there, right out the back door, her all over the court. Like, what in the world happened? She heard her baby cry, cry, and she knows means that baby's in trouble. And she heard it above all that racket. She heard it above all the laughter in the house, all the good times. Why? Because she's a mother that loves her baby. He's a father that loves his babies. So his ears are more in tune to our cry when we're in trouble, man. When we ain't got it right. Because he's a good father that loves us. Man, if I could get one thing to sink in your soul tonight about prayer, is that God always listens to you. Always. Always. And that prayer that you pray 90 times and you don't even hear it no more, He still does. What Jesus say? Won't the Father answer those who cry out day and night? That's over and over and over and over and over again. We get bored with it, but He don't. So he goes through a list of things that he does do. 50 minutes, 12 seconds. Man, I am fast tonight. We're going to be done in an hour. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes everything I possess. And then we go to the publican. You know, to the dirt bag. To the one the church dude looked at and said, I thank you, God, I'm better than he is. And that publican standing afar off. We just talked about that a little bit Sunday, didn't we? See, he came, but he's still standing far off. And it ain't because he don't believe in what's here. It's just because he feels like, I, I can't get no closer. I don't deserve to get no closer. But he does what he should do anyway. Yeah. Notice that. It's okay to be aware of who you are and what you don't deserve in God. But it ain't too smart not to take anything God's going to give you anyway. <laughs> huh? Yeah, I don't deserve nothing from God, but here I am, Lord. What you want to hand out? I'll take every bit of it. <laughs> this guy stands afar off. And he wouldn't even lift up his eyes. This somebody got their head down. The other guys, look at me, God. I ain't like him. And I do this and I don't do that. And this dude came and lifted his eyes to heaven. But he smote his breast and he wasn't crowing like a rooster. 
He smote his breast because his heart was breaking. And he said, God, please be merciful to me, a sinner. Mm -hmm. Wasn't no list of any good deeds that he did. Like, he had at least one box checked in their religion. He was at church, Stacy. He could have just said, Lord, I'm here today. Thank God I ain't like all the people that laid out this Sunday. I'm here today, God. No, this man didn't do that. He didn't even lift his eyes to God. He said, Lord, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Why? Because everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. He that humbles himself shall be exalted. But you, you know what the devil would have us do instead? To be humble? The devil would make us feel like that because I know I'm a sinner, I, I shouldn't even lift my eyes to God. The devil would have me convinced I ought to keep my mouth shut then. The devil would have me convinced that means I'm failing God all the way across the board. God don't hear me. God don't want to hear nothing from me. God don't want me asking him for nothing because I ain't got this going on yet. When Jesus himself said that when we're humbled, when we see ourselves exactly like we are, Lord God, I know I'm jacked up. What was that saying that's been around since the 90s? Tore up from the floor up, right? I'm just a train wreck off the rails. Lord, that's who I am. But Father, for some reason, you let me. Here I am, Lord. Please forgive me. And Jesus says that that kind of humility, well, what is humility then? That means that being aware of your shortcomings and that you ain't got it all together, but doing what Jesus said you could do anyway. See? That humility is right in the middle, Spud. It's not that proud guy that says, I got this and do this and do this, but it's also not that guy that says, I ain't got all that, so I can't do nothing. Right. See, humility means, yeah, I, I ain't got all that going on yet, but God lets me talk to him anyway, so I'm gonna. I ain't got all that going on yet, but God washed my sins away anyway, so I'm gonna thank him for the blood and my sins are gone. I ain't got all that going on anyway, but I'm gonna keep coming to church. I'm gonna keep trying to get the hang of studying this thing. I'm gonna keep trying to get my prayer life every day, even if it's on the way to the toothbrush and the toothpaste. I know what I am and I know what I'm not, and so does my father. And he loves me enough to listen. And if I'll keep talking, sooner or later, there's going to be a suddenly. So I would encourage you today. Remember, just because you don't feel it in your heart, don't mean your heart ain't in it. And it certainly don't mean God don't hear it. Over and over and over again. And if you'll keep lifting those things up to God that are important to you, stop, stop deciding that the odds of that prayer being answered have anything to do with how good you are. Any answered prayer from God has nothing to do with how good we are on our best day. Any answer of prayer from God has something to do with how good He is. He's good all the time. Which means on my best day, which still ain't good enough, God will hear me because He's good 
all the time. Which means also on my worst day when there ain't no excuse. And I just did a face plant and I did that God will still let me talk to him because he's good all the time. So remember, in this relationship, this relationship's got, it's got a contract. And that's communication. And it's every day. And even when it gets old, when it gets tired. Today, me and Kitty, I've told you guys before, trying to shake stuff up. When it gets real old, right? Today, I put chairs out on four corners of the property where you could just see except for one. We have to use the phone because you can't quite see. I wanted to put four chairs out on the corners of the property. And what we do is we came up with five things on the list. And we started out Kitty in the chair in front, me in this chair. And when we first started, the first thing we're doing in those chairs is we're praying repentance. And then she's first. So however long it takes her, I'm stuck in my chair praying repentance too. You know, it takes me a little longer. I'm sorry to believe. But so then when she's done, she gets up to move to the next chair. Then I get up and I move to the chair she was in. So now we're at station two. Station, station two was to pray for each other. And we stayed in those chairs on station two, subject number two, each other. Then when she was done, she got up and moved, and I moved. Station number three was praying for our children and grandchildren. And the next station was the church, the church family. And then the next station was everything else. So see what we did? We just changed it up a little bit. So like Lori, she could take something and just put a little sticky note right here and have it be repentance right there. And then take another sticky note and put it over here. And since there's a deer head here, that one could be my husband Travis in his job. And another sticky note and maybe put four or five of them out. And then have her prayer time be at night or in the morning, whatever. Start right here. Stay there till she's done. Then move on to the next one. And then move on to the next one. And that's just a little example. It's something that changes it up, right? And it keeps you on topic. And then when you get done, you move to the next one. But there are ways to change it up. Don't feel guilty when it gets old and it feels like it's religious. Guess what? It is old. People have been praying since Adam. And it is religious. And that's okay. God still hears you. Still hears you. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we can talk to you. Lord, I know this was a lot better in my head. I pray tonight, Father, and I thank you, Lord, for your people here. I thank you, Lord, for Nathan. I thank God for a 27-year-old young man that would be at Bible study on his birthday. I ask you to honor that tonight, Father. I ask you, Lord, something that, that each person here, Nathan and Lori and Kitty and Jimmy and Stacy, something that they have been praying about for a long time, something that started to ring hollow in their own ears, I ask you, Father, to do it suddenly. I ask you, Lord, to do something quickly for them, Father, something speedily. I ask you, Lord, to, to change something dramatic, Lord, that they've been praying about for a while, God. And Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over every member of our church family, both those that are here on location and those that are coming, those that live in other places. And I ask you, Father, to take that weapon out of the enemy's hand, that the next time any of your people open their mouth to talk to you and that enemy would start to tell them all the reasons why they can't, that they would recognize that is a lie. 
And they would recognize that if it was really true that God was not hearing them, the devil would let them pray all night long. So I pray tonight, Father, and I thank you for the privilege of being able to talk to you about anything at any time. And I thank you that every single time we do, it counts. So I ask you, Lord, to continue to meet your people in prayer, Father. Help each one of us, God. Lord, if we get to pick who we're going to be, let us be that publican. But Lord, when we can't lift our 